Welcome to Fort McMurray Matters. Keeping you connected to our community. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. We are back with Fort McMurray Matters. Today we have two very special guests. We're going to be talking about everything healthcare related here in Fort McMurray in the Wood Buffalo area. I'm Adam Ophis and today we're chatting with Senior Operating Officer for Fort McMurray, Murray Crawford, and Medical Officer of Health for the North Zone, Dr. Jack Pang. Greetings gentlemen and I'll let you introduce yourselves starting with uh, you Mr. Crawford. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Murray Crawford, as you mentioned. I'm the Senior Operating Officer uh, for Area 10, which includes both uh, Northern Lights Regional Health Centre and uh, Willow Square Continuing Care Centre. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been here about four and a half years in Fort McMurray. And uh, you, Dr. Pang. Uh, thanks, Adam. Uh, so my name is Jack Pang. I'm one of the Medical Officers of Health with uh, Alberta Health Services Norso. We're just going to jump right into it because I know this has been a uh, question and a topic that's come up countless times, especially in the last little while here. And that is with the Northern Lights Regional Health Center and the staff shortages. Now, I know this isn't different in the province, but is it any more of a staff shortage problem here in Fort McMurray? Yeah, I guess I'll take that one. Um, so we do, obviously, there are times where we do have staff shortages and, uh, you know, how we manage those and how we do we have to disrupt any services. And so uh, right now we have no service disruptions at uh, Northern Lights. Um, we're one of the few uh, facilities in the North Zone that is not in some form of service disruption caused by either a physician shortage or a healthcare worker shortage. Um, vacancies. And so we're really compounded. I think our situation um, is is good relative to other um, healthcare facilities in the North Zone. Uh, but there's always um, there's always um, you know some some concern with vacancies and and some of our core uh, functions are are always in um, a state of uh, sort of shortage. In particular, uh, it's our sonographers. Uh, who do the ultrasounds, and so that limits the amount of ultrasounds and which ultrasounds we can actually do at the facility. And the other one is respiratory uh, technicians, obviously very important for our ambulatory care work, um, supporting the community, but also, uh, you know, as we go through successive waves waves of uh, COVID, they play a big part in that as well, ensuring people's airways and people are getting the, the, you know, the respiratory care they need sort of thing. And, and then, you know, we, we have the sort of standard ones, which are our nursing, uh, nursing and LPNs and healthcare workers in both long-term care and in Northern Lights. And so we rely on, uh, we fill those gaps mostly with overtime. Uh, so we provide, you know, some, we bring people in and give them overtime. Uh, so they'll come in and work and fill in the gaps and shortages we have. We have lower than average vacancy rates in, in Fort McMurray for nursing, for instance, but we do still have some shortages, in particular our medicine floor uh, is, is always in a state of, it's one we use as sort of, um, it's where you build your craft as a nurse sort of thing, and you have a wide variety of, uh, and then you expand out of that and work in pediatrics, maternity, ICU, or OR. And so we're always, um, we're, I guess we're quite lucky to have Keanu and, and a steady stream of, of new nurses and LPNs that come in. But yeah, those are, those sort of speak to the shortages and vacancies. It hasn't, 
been a major uh, disruption to our service, even through the waves. Um, but yeah, we, it's, it's something we definitely keep an eye on. Now, I've seen that the, like this has been talked about for province-wide, the shortage of physicians in the province, of nurses in the province, and like you said, the sonographers. Is it not such a great thing to be in the medical career now? Uh, does it not pay as much as it once did? Is it not as coveted? Is it overworked? Is there a reason why less people, it seems, or at least in the province, are getting into these careers? Well, I think, you know, Jack can give you some insight on the on the physician side, but I'll talk to sort of more of the operations people. And then uh, in general, I think um, COVID has been very tiring. And, uh, you know, we are now almost in two years, uh, you know, we'll come up on two years in March when the first case uh, actually hit Alberta. And so um, there's, yeah, a lot of people uh, who were close to retirement uh, chose that option. Um, so that was uh, a loss of some skilled labor. Um, uh, clearly, uh, some people uh, just are very tired of the, of the workload sort of thing that was demanded during the, the different waves that we had, in particularly Fort McMurray and Northern Lights with very, very uh, hard hit in wave three. And, and wave four was busy. Uh, but we were mostly taking care of residents from outside the region. Um, but wave three was the one that really had an impact on the facility where we grew from our normal 107 uh, acute beds in our facility to 139. And we did that internally from our own staff. And so although it was great, we, we met all the needs of the community during that time period. Um, it did have an impact on the sort of longer term. And so we, you know, we're seeing a shift from, uh, you know, people retiring, uh, healthcare workers um, choosing not to be full-time, maybe going to part-time or casual, and then casuals and part-times uh, just not calling in. They just need a, a break. And with regard to the, with regard to the, you know, is, is healthcare an attractive uh, occupation? I think it is. It's relatively well-paid. I think uh, our, our nurses and, and uh, you know auxiliary sort of um, uh, LPNs and health care aides are well paid relative to other places in Canada, but they've been they've been worked very hard, and so I think yeah that's something all recruiters at um, medical school or sorry medical schools or health centers uh, that are colleges that offer this um, these courses are are struggling with is finding people to do it because you know they want to make sure when you go into a profession. point of view, I mean, there has always been this sort of differential between sort of rural and urban areas in terms of their abilities to attract physicians. Um, but I do think Alberta has, you know, a reasonable edge on that with the number of different uh, programs that uh, Alberta Health offers to sort of compensate for that, you know, for that uh, need for uh, physicians to move to rural areas by having specific programs targeting uh, some of the north regions. And to, to allow for that further compensation for people who do work there. So, you know, I, I think the, the, the government does realize there's a differential there, and they are doing things to try to, you know, uh, make it more appealing to be in some of the rural areas. I think we're also helped by industry here in Fort McMurray in particular, uh, because we have a constant flow of people coming in from outside of uh, our province and our zone. And so as people get in here, they encourage friends or relatives to come out. And so we do, we do have a much higher percentage of our, our staff are 
coming from out of province or, or coming from other parts of the province as new hires now, and we're seeing that sort of growth, whereas some of the more rural areas, as Dak alluded to, are, are having difficulty as their sort of workforce um, is moving closer to retirement and reducing the number of work. It's, it's harder to recruit out to those, those smaller sites in the North Zone. We're just going to take our first break here in Fort McMurray Matters, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about uh, perhaps additional staffing that's going to be brought in, uh, COVID, Christmas, the new Omicron variant, and of course, the new rapid test kits that just came into the province today. We'll return in a moment to Fort McMurray Matters. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. We're back with Fort McMurray Matters. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about uh, we're talking about healthcare here with Senior Operating Officer Fort McMurray Murray Crawford and Dr. Jack Pang, the Medical Officer of Health for the North Zone. And to jump back to the staffing at the Northern Lights Regional Health Center, I have seen a lot of people commenting about for many procedures them having to drive up to Edmonton. Is that simply because if staffing's not such a big deal, is it simply because it's unnecessary to get everything that people need here? Like some things they'll just have to go to Edmonton for? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And that's, that's a point we try and bring across uh, anytime I get an opportunity to speak with the public and the community and or industry is that we're a regional health center. Um, and so we're a regional, obviously have hospital services. We're, you know, we're a hospital. It's named a health center, but it's, it's more than a hospital. And so, but we don't have everything for everyone. We're not a tertiary. We're not the Royal Alks. We don't have a massive, you know, uh, listing of specialist services that we offer in the building sort of thing. So the shortages, uh, you know, any perceived staff shortages or real staff shortages, um, although they do have an impact, for instance, with the ultrasound, there are people that have to drive to Edmonton to have certain procedures done on ultrasound. Those are the those are the ones that we sort of hear a lot about, uh, you know, going down. And but we do also hear there are a lot of people going for cardiac. Or they're getting referred to cardiac. Uh, they're getting referred for ophthalmology, uh, urology. You know, some of the more detailed specialties that we don't have in a regional facility. It just don't have those services because we don't have the volume to maintain that sort of uh, service. But yeah, we are always constantly looking for new ways. We listen through the. We, you know, public forums with the community. We have a health advisory council, which is uh, provides us some insights on what are the issues in the community. We monitor social media, uh, and we do actually listen, uh, you know, to patients' concerns that come into us, and we do consider them. And so that helps us drive, and, and we're always collecting data on, you know, based on your um, code, how many people are going to Edmonton for this type of specialty service or this type of specialty service. And that, once we determine what the volume is and what the demand for that service would be like for something like ophthalmology is a good example, is we don't have that service in our building, but yet we know that there's so many people that go to Edmonton for that service that it actually, once it actually gets to the point where we can actually employ a full-time ophthalmologist or we could have a visiting ophthalmologist come to our facility and that would cut down on uh, quite a number of those trips to Edmonton. But you mentioned that there are certain services that we're just never going to have as a regional facility, that you have to go to a higher level. Well, certainly having cardiac services is, is, is a big one, right? And so 
we're not going to have or, or um, you know, a large cancer center. We want those to go to a definitive care center in Edmonton or Calgary to have those services provided. So it's, it's a balancing act on how much, you know, we always are looking to try and provide as much service and as many programs as possible uh, to the community. But also we have to be mindful that, you know, no one's going to, if we don't have the work to support that, then, uh, or the volume of patients to support that, then it really doesn't make sense, or, it's, or it would be unsafe to do that as well. So as a good example, we, for our physicians, we're constantly looking for, it's been an open uh, competition for over two years with, uh, to find a child psychiatrist. Uh, we don't have one in Fort McMurray, and it's something that everyone knows there's a need for. It's just, we just you know, haven't actually found the right person. We're in the process of uh, recruiting a third orthopedic surgeon because we know there's enough volume to have that third orthopedic person come in here. We're looking at, in the next year, looking at a full-time ophthalmologist being hired into into Fort McMurray and so to work out a re... So that will save probably about 4,000 trips to to the year. So those are huge numbers. And then urology, we don't have enough of a volume to justify having someone come here full-time, but we are looking at bringing in someone as a visiting urologist uh, to the facility. So those kind of things we're always looking at, not only um, could we get someone, uh, is there a demand? Can we hire someone and recruit someone? Um, and then can we maintain it? Because you can't build a whole program. There's nothing worse than Im- implementing a program in a facility such as ophthalmology and then having to cancel it after two years because the person decided to move away or, or it didn't work out uh, with number-wise. And so we're constantly looking at these, these factors and working with our medical affairs people who handle the physician piece on you know, what services we can bring to the community. You had mentioned kind of a, a shared, almost like a shared staffing program. Now, is that something that is more feasible for somewhere like Fort McMurray, having staff come up for for one week? Like, uh, could they come up just to fill this program? Like, okay, the first week of every month, we have this uh, physician or expert come, and are they able to, could they bring their, like, the equipment come up for that week too? Do we have to purchase the equipment and have that here for that physician like is this shared employee program uh, something like that possible for these more niche uh, things that people need that's the whole idea behind the visiting physician groups right and so yeah if you have if you have the specialist that would come up uh, say once a month for two or three days whatever whatever the volume is right would come up uh, we would have the equipment here we would purchase the equipment that was necessary because they don't want to be dragging that up from Edmonton or Calgary or wherever they're located and yeah and then we would build the support staff around that sort of thing we'd have to ask for extra funding for nurses or whoever's whoever's involved in from the operation side to support that program We're just going to take our last break here in Fort McMurray Matters, but when we get back, we're going to be talking about COVID and Christmas and Omicron and the new rapid test kits that have just come into the province. We'll return in a moment to Fort McMurray Matters. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. We're back here on Fort McMurray Matters alongside Murray Crawford, the Senior Operating Officer of Fort McMurray here at the Regional Lights Hospital, and Dr. Jack Pang, Medical Officer of Health in the North Zone. Let's get to some of the hot topics here. The Christmas season 
is coming, and that means uh, Christmas holidays, that means gatherings, that means uh, family fun, dinners, parties, the whole nines, and we're doing it all alongside our good friend, uh, Mr. Omicron variant. And is there anything the hospitals and physicians, like are we prepping for, for a big surge, or is there talk about that? Well, yeah, I mean, clearly we, you know, we wouldn't be good, uh, we wouldn't be providing good service if we weren't always planning for the eventual, right? And so uh, Jack can get into the details on uh, on Omicron, but yeah, we know it's, you know, um, it's it's a factor. We know it's uh, in the province. We know it's in the North Zone. And so uh, we are developing plans for it. Right now, there's not a lot known about it. Uh, and so we're we're sort of basing, you know, well, from what we know, the information we have, we're sort of working on some plans that would address that. We, you know, and whether that's our new wave, uh, wave five, we're not even officially out of wave four yet. We've sort of plateaued on that with, with Delta version uh, and variant sort. And so now we're, uh, you know, planning to, for uh, addressing the Omicron uh, variant. But Jack, you can certainly provide more information on, on that. Sure thing. Uh, so for the for the Omicron, it's it's such a new uh, variant of concern that new information about this is coming out daily, and you know we are seeing that uh, there is likelihood that this particular variant has more chances to spread. But we, what we do need to keep in mind is that you know with the holiday seasons coming, it is also important for for families to to get together to have you know to to have um, to spend time with each other to see each other. Um, you know, but then it's important to do that, do so safely. Uh, so we do encourage all Albertans to follow current public health measures that are in place. Uh, this includes, you know, getting immunized as soon as they are eligible, um, getting their uh, second dose or their booster shots when they're available, uh, and this maintaining masking, physical distancing, regular hand hygiene whenever possible, just to keep themselves safe and their you know family and loved ones safe as well. And then of course, if they feel any symptoms. If they're sick for you know any respiratory reasons, to stay home and avoid any gatherings or avoid having people over. So specifically to the Omicron variant, um, we are anticipating that uh, you know there is the potential for cases to go up. Um, we are working you know within CDC to plan uh, in terms of how we can deal with uh, the contact tracing piece, the case notification pieces, and we are working with you know our, our other teams such as you know Mori in terms of planning uh, you know, hospital capacities. Um, being able to accommodate, if we do uh, see another surge in cases, being able to help uh, with uh, potential increased hospitalizations or potential increase um, in, in ICUs. So definitely a lot of planning uh, in, that goes into that uh, to make sure that we are ready in case we do see another surge uh, of cases. And with the introduction of these new kind of at-home uh, COVID testing kits, is there any worry, um, especially on the physician side, that people... Uh, might use them incorrectly and and not test themselves properly and just think, oh, I'm okay, it didn't come back right. Like, is there any concerns about how people are going to be using these tests or using them correctly? So, you know, we, we, do, we do encourage people to be familiar with how to properly use those test kits at home. Uh, those test kits are designed for people who do not have any symptoms, um, and they are meant for a screening process to screen if they... Uh, potentially have uh, the COVID infection. We do know that you know, a portion of people who are infected with COVID uh, do not actually develop any symptoms. So these home test kits are really designed to try to 
you know, catch those people who are asymptomatic uh, and be able to identify them and ask them to, you know, isolate at home and book for a testing through, uh, through the lab um, to confirm whether they have COVID or not. And then further to that, by, by asking people to screen while they're asymptomatic, if we are able to identify some of that, that decreases the chance for those people to go out and uh, spread the infection further. Um, so again, we, we do encourage anyone who, uh, who are participating in that uh, home test kit program to really familiarize themselves with the uh, process as to how to use those test kits. Those test kits are, n- uh, are not very uh, challenging to use and the information provided on the Alberta Health websites are, are very adequate in terms of uh, you know, uh, you know, teaching people how to properly use those kits. This isn't the uh, the end all be all of tests. It's like some people, if they're thinking like, oh, if I have this kit, I no longer have to go into a medical clinic to get tested. I just have to use this kit. But you're saying that if you have symptoms, to still don't just rely on the kit. Go in and get tested still. Oh, uh, if you have symptoms, don't use the kit at all. The kit is designed specifically for those people who have no symptoms. And it's the purpose of it is to really try to screen and identify those who are uh, COVID infectious but have no symptoms. If you have symptoms, do not use these kits. Uh, isolate at home and book uh, book for your COVID test through the Alberta Health Services online uh, test booking tool. Okay, fantastic. Some things, yeah, because sometimes, you know, uh, people as, uh, I'm sure as a physician, you definitely know, unless things are crystal super in their face clear, sometimes uh, people still miss the signs. Um, I do want to thank both of you for joining me today. I really appreciate you for giving me the time. And if there's any kind of last end of show kind of things you want to say or just get out there, I will uh, start with uh, you, Mr. Crawford. Well, thanks for the opportunity to sort of uh, clarify a few points and, and to talk about some of the future uh, endeavors we're looking at and, and some of the planning and certainly, uh, you know, uh, allowing us a forum sort of thing. And basically, yeah, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a, a, a relaxing, if possible, uh, festive season. But as as Jack mentioned, really urging people in Fort McMurray and, and our rural areas in the RMWB to follow those that health guidance as much as possible. Uh, get vaccinated, one dose, two doses, or if you have both doses, get your booster shot. Um, and that will help uh, definitely protect you against uh, any further uh, variants that are coming. So thanks very much. Thank you, Mr. Crawford. And uh, you, Dr. Pang, is there any uh, last things you just want to, would you like to say? Sure. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, the only thing I want to really reiterate is um, is that immunization piece. We know that the COVID vaccine is safe and it is effective and it is our best way uh, to to uh, get Albertans, uh, you know, uh, together out of this uh, pandemic. So I do encourage anyone who is eligible to get their doses get their first shot, second shot, booster doses, whenever that's available or whenever they become eligible for that. It is really the best the way for us to move forward. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Murray Crawford, the Senior Operating Officer for Fort McMurray and the Northern Lights Regional Hospital. And thank you very much, Dr. Jack Pang, for joining me today, the Medical Officer of Health for the North Zone. That is all the time we have for today in Fort McMurray Matters. But if you missed it or you want to hear more, you can head to our website, mix1037fm.com. Fresh episode of that podcast is uploaded every day. Just click on the news section. Fort McMurray Matters airs every weekday at noon. I'm Adam Ophis. Chat with you again on Monday. 
That's the end of another edition of Fort McMurray Matters. Want a copy of this episode or any past episode? Download the podcast at mix1037fm.com. Brought to you by Colin Hartigan of Coldwell Banker Fort McMurray, Cooper & Company Law Firm, and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7.